Welcome to the Ab Initio podcast series, a Bankless Legal Guild production. If you are a lawyer, accountant, or tax professional, you're likely getting an increased number of questions from clients about cryptocurrencies, DAOs, and the blockchain in general. The purpose of this podcast is to help you answer these questions by having our established expert guests discuss current legal issues and cases on a regular basis. The information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be regarded as legal or financial advice. And now your host, Mike Rabinovich, aka Comeback Kid on Discord. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Samantha Marin, a member of the growth and communications team at Aragon. She's also a co-founder and writer at Quorum, a meta-label for creators who ship work about DAOs. She started her Web3 journey in the Writers Guild at Bankless DAO. We'll be discussing the history of voting in DAOs, voting delegation, the disproportionate influence of whales, and much more. Let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, Samantha. We're excited to get your expertise on the topic of voting in DAOs on this current edition of the Legal Guilds podcast. But before we get there, uh, I'd love for you to share with our listeners your journey to Web3, where you started the stops along the way to your current role at Aragon DAO and any other projects that you're currently involved in. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, so my Web3 journey started working in Web2, as many people's journeys did. So I was working at a very small tech startup uh, during my senior year in college, um, was kind of learning a lot about the startup world and how equity works in startups and, you know, going kind of the the ultimate goal of many startups being to go public and kind of working really hard and getting this like sweat equity with the hope of eventually getting some kind of equity when the company went public. Um, so I was kind of getting immersed in that world and learning a lot about the basics of tech startups. And um, I actually was unable to get any any equity from the startup I was working at. Um, it, it didn't go public, but during those kind of early discussions of like who gets what and how um, the pieces of the pie get divided, I felt found myself a little left out of that. Um, and that kind of burned me a little bit of not really getting that um, kind of ownership in the organization. And so I was feeling a little down about that. And about the same time, I was starting to learn about Web3, DAOs, crypto, um, started listening to the Bankless podcast. um, And that really opened my eyes on this space. And that really onboarded me into this space. So pretty soon after I started listening to that podcast, I think it was just two months or so, I said, okay, you know, do I want to take this step or am I going to keep trying to work in this Web2 startup world that I've already felt a little, a little burned by? So I decided to take the leap in August, 2021, uh, joined Bankless DAO, um, got really involved really quickly, was uh, working as the talent scout in the Writers Guild, got pretty deep into the Writers Guild right off the bat, had a lot of fun there, lots of really amazing people in there. Um, So I was kind of uh, growing my knowledge of the space while also learning how to navigate 
working in a DAO and how to help other people get onboarded into the DAO, essentially. So I was really enjoying that and then eventually decided to um, quit my Web2 job that I was working at at the time. That was around uh, January of this year, 2022. So I said, okay, I'm going to you know, go after Web3 full time. I'm going to be done with this kind of Web2 world. So I worked full time in Bankless DAO for a couple months and then eventually transitioned into what I'm doing now, which is communications and growth at Aragon. Um, but I also have this side project that maybe we will get into a bit called Quorum, which is a meta label for DAO creators. And right now, Quorum is a newsletter and a podcast. The podcast used to be called Bounty Hunter. It actually came out of Bankless DAO. So you guys at the Legal Guild podcast are probably familiar with them. Um, so Brandon Nolte and I are creating this meta label also. So that's that's what I'm up to now. So before we jump into the main event, uh, since you brought up Web2, what have you found are the main differences between the environment, let's call it, or the ecosystem in, in Web2 as opposed to what you have found and now we're pursuing in Web2? Yeah, yeah. So I found that... It really, really was night and day when I I jumped into the Web3 world and the world of DAOs. Uh, so much more of an environment of shared ownership, shared collaboration, shared ownership over decisions. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate of whether whether a, to- a governance token really means ownership or not. I'm not gonna not gonna get into the Howie test or any of that right now, but um, the the fact that token holders have shared decision making and shared uh, ability to kind of set the course of the organization to me that really is like a super powerful form of ownership because you are determining the future of your organization. So I was really struck by that. I w- remember I was sent a bank tip within probably two minutes of joining the Bankless DAO Discord. So just that kind of shared um, wealth, governance power. Um, there's there's so much more uh, kind of an all ships rise ethos in many parts of Web3 and many parts of DAOs. You know, that's not going to be the case for every DeFi project, every... Uh, every project is not going to have that all ships rise ethos, but I found that most DAOs really do. And I, um, yeah, I was really sucked into that and really loved it. So it's, it's interesting times we live in. Uh, and I kind of like to look at, at the world of Web3 as about technology and then about governance and about a new way of governance where it's far more participatory than the centralized system that Web2 uh, it, it really is. So in that context, can you give us an overview of the history of voting in DAOs and how they're governed? Yeah, yeah. Um, so DAO voting has really been uh, traditional token voting, uh, mostly. <laughs> the history has been dominated by that. So 
most of the early DAOs. Um, Aragon is actually kind of in this camp, uh, did a 2017 ICO token launch where they launched their fungible ERC-20 token. Um, and then holding that token meant that you could vote on things happening in the DAO. And ideally, you'd be voting on-chain so that there was on-chain execution following that vote to be fully trustless and permissionless. Um, that has changed a bit now where many DAOs are using off-chain voting for gas saving and so that they can be more flexible and kind of not worry about having an on-chain instance. And then maybe maybe in a year or so they decide they don't want to use token voting anymore. They don't have to spin up a new DAO on-chain. So we've seen a lot of the snapshot and Gnosis safe combination, um, which is kind of putting the DAO's treasury in the hands of the core team, usually in a Gnosis safe, maybe five or seven core team members kind of hold the treasury and then they execute the will of the voters uh, themselves. And so you're kind of putting your trust in that core team. Um, so that's that's where we've seen DAOs go recently. Um, I think things will move as DAOs mature and uh, become more um, kind of interested in bringing the the trustless permissionless ethos of web3 to life they will move their voting on chain and move their treasuries on chain rather than uh kind of in the hands of uh a core team but yeah that for now that's what's been happening there are a couple of DAOs experimenting with nft voting so uh one nft one vote that's a little complicated because uh you know, if you sell the NFT, does that also sell the voting rights? I know there's been some talk of using the non-transferable NFTs for voting, but that hasn't really gone anywhere yet. So most of the ERC-721 voting, I think, is still, we still have to kind of see how that plays out. So one of the concepts that has emerged in the space are is the concept of delegated voting. So two questions for you. How you did, would you define delegated voting for listeners that have not had a lot of exposures to these models? And secondly, how does it work in the context of DAOs based on your experience? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So delegated voting, sometimes called liquid democracy, delegated voting is when token holders say, you know, I don't want to be keeping up with the day-to-day -day governance. I don't want to be reading the chaos on the forum. You know, most DAOs have a pretty chaotic or busy or loud forum and they, they don't want to be voting, basically. Um, so people who are deeply involved in the DAO and do keep up with these governance channels like the forum and then whatever voting platform they use, they kind of raise their hand and say, hey, I'm... I, I want to be a delegate. I want to be delegated to. Um, and then token holders know that they can delegate their tokens to that individual and that ideally that person would vote in a way that improves the organization. And theoretically, if they vote in a way that token holders 
don't like, then the token holder would undelegate from them and then delegate to someone else who's maybe voting in a way that they do like. Now, what we've seen is that that doesn't really happen. Uh, Redelegation is extremely rare. Once token holders delegate their governance power, they basically just set it and forget it. You know, they don't uh, keep up with the delegate. They don't redelegate at any time. And so we have seen that there are a lot of these kind of incumbent delegates and you can sort of compare it to uh, our political system in the U.S. where there are tons of incumbents in Congress who get voted in again and again, election cycle after election cycle, because people just vote for the name they recognize. So that's kind of becomes a similar situation with delegation and DAOs today, except that there's no election cycle. They just get delegated to and then they have that delegation power and yeah, it's done. So that's kind of what's been happening in delegated voting today. Um, so it's not not great in the current state of the DAO space, but hopefully with some more um, more experiments, more governance experiments, more improvements, we can start seeing a delegated voting model that that actually works. Two follow-ups on that, Samantha. First, did you find in your experience that the delegation was being given to subject matter experts that people thought may have more knowledge uh, than they did? Or did it go to simply folks that the delegator thought they could trust to do the right thing for the DAO and the community? Yeah, I think a lot of it is um, kind of social social clout. So how well the person is known in the DAO, on crypto Twitter. Um, maybe they're <clears throat> kind of a career delegate for other DAOs. So a lot of times you see the same couple of people are delegates for many of the large DAOs. So they kind of make a, a full-time thing out of it. Um, so I think that's a piece. Um, I mean, we're social creatures. You know, you delegate to people you know, you delegate to your friends, you delegate to people who share the same worldview as you. So I think it's more of a kind of squishy social situation than it is like, oh, this person's a subject matter expert in smart contracts and my DAO is a protocol DAO and we ship smart contracts, I will delegate to them. I don't think that happens quite as much as maybe it should. It's more about, you know, kind of who you know, who they know, social cloud, things like that. My second follow-up has to do with uh, the wonderful article that you wrote on delegated voting and some of the uh, metrics and that you had used in, in, in writing it. And the one that struck me most was about the level of participation. And if I have it correctly, you drew an analogy between participation in current you know, IRL politics, and you felt that it's being mirrored in DAOs, but not in a great way, in the sense that there's still very low levels of participation, and one would have thought that because of the passion folks have for Web3 and for DAOs, that level of participation would be noticeably higher. Yeah, so this is a big one. Um, participation in 
voting is extremely low. I'll I'll use Aragon as an example. You know, we regularly get less than 1% of the network voting. So 1% of the token holders. Um, we um, are 1% of tokens. So <laughs> probably less than 1% of people who hold them. Um, so voting, it, it's been very clear through many experiments that it's where, you know, the DAO space is not going to suddenly solve the issue of voter apathy. So it's hard when you are a, a small holder to say, you know, you hold a small amount of tokens to say, I should really keep up with all this governance and really keep up with this voting, even if I only hold 0.001% of the network. And I'm not getting paid to do this. This is just out of the pure goodness of my heart, you know, DAOs aren't going to make people suddenly start doing that. We've seen that in IRL politics um, and the, the, the small turnouts. Um, we've seen that ch tested time and time again. So I think the voter apathy ship has sailed. Um, and in that, in that way, we have to think about designing governance models that do work for DAOs, knowing that the voter turnout is probably going to be small. So I think going on big voter turnout campaigns and being like, hey, we need to vote, 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 when there are probably uh, multiple proposals going through each month, you know, there's not a regular election cadence, there's not any kind of familiarity and um, routine with that. So you really have to be checking all the time. Like people are busy. People have multiple jobs in the Web3 space. Usually they're contributing to multiple projects at a time. So I think getting people to vote is not a hill to die on because we've seen that human nature, it's probably not going to work. Um, sorry if that sounds super bearish, but um, I think uh, delegated voting is just one way we can say we can address the issue and just say people aren't going to vote on all these random things. So we need to have professional, skilled subject matter experts who are serving as delegates and are probably getting paid to do that because that's a lot of work um, and do so in a way that um, maybe we have auto undelegation or something so that the same delegates aren't just holding on to the, the same tokens forever. But um, yeah, I think the voter apathy ship has, has kind of sailed. That's a fair comment. I mean, it's not something one likes to hear, but I mean, it's, it's a good thing that, to, that we deal with the reality of the situation as opposed to a make-believe scenario. Yes. The next area that I want to touch upon is the whole notion of whales. Um, and the disproportionate influence they can have on the uh, governance of a DAO. So two parts. Can you explain to our audience what a whale is? And secondly, can their influence or should their influence be neutralized? Sure. Yeah. So um, a whale is the term for a large token holder. It's often used for someone who also just holds a lot of crypto generally. Um, so whales and DAOs are people who have more financial interest, financial stake in the DAO itself because they hold 
large portions of the DAO's token. Um, on this topic, I'd say that token DAOs that are governed by ERC-20, so fungible tokens you can buy on an exchange, um, they have made that choice to have their governance directly tied to financial interests and financial stake. If that DAO wants to remove that um, kind of thread, cut that, cut that line between governance power and ability to purchase that, then they need to explore something like um, non-transferable 721s or um, just 721s that maybe are just issued to anyone who is on the core team or in the inner community of that DAO. Like there are alternatives that people can use if they determine that their DAO should be one person, one vote. They can even do an allow list of wallets, right? Um, like we we talk about that all the time at Aragon where if, if you don't want to mint a token for your DAO, you can just simply do an allow list of wallets uh, with an Aragon DAO. So I think the whale conversation, um, like people who hold a lot of the token should have more governance power. They have so much financial stake in this project, right? Um, but if the DAO says, we don't want that, we don't want, you know, quote unquote whales, governing this, then it's kind of the, the, the job of voters to push forward a proposal to change governance. You know, DAOs don't have to stay in one governance model their whole life. Actually, the best DAOs change, or the most effective DAOs, they change, they evolve. I mean, you need to kind of design or choose the voting method that works for the type of DAO you're building rather than adjust the voting method backwards. Does that make sense? Like once you mint the token and you're dedicated on token voting, you can't really go backwards and say, oh, like we hate whales. We can't do this. Like you need to just say, okay, we're trying something new. <laughs> we're doing ERC-721 voting. We're doing NFT voting. Let's see how that works. And if if you can't try that on a DAO-wide scale, try it in a guild. We did a really interesting voting experiment. I think that they're still using this method, actually. When I was more active in the Writers Guild, um, we did kind of a meritocracy voting experiment. And we just ran the polls in Discord just to see if it worked for us. And it was kind of based on how much you contributed to the guild and how much how much time you had spent in the guild, you got more voting power or you were allowed to vote in uh, like higher, more important polls. So people who had been in the guild for over a season, people who had um, contributed at least one piece of work that season, they got to vote in the more important elections. So DAOs and guilds, they can run experiments, they can run these off chain. I just, I, I feel like my kind of idea on DAOs is that they need to be a lot more flexible with their governance than I've seen in the space so far. I think the conundrum, Samantha, is that 
to do that, you need more participation. And we know that that that's a challenge, as you highlighted before. I really like your suggestion about doing it within a guild because I think guilds, depending on the guild itself, can have much higher level of participation than the general DAO. And I've, I've had that experience with the legal guild at Bankless, uh, where it's a really committed group of people that I've been you know, impressed by over and over again, from the decentralized law editor, Hiro Canelli, uh, to Eagle, who was, you know, the uh, our fearless leader when it all got started, and uh, these folks are busy. They have, they wear a lot of hats, but they still show up, and I think it's the showing up that that can make this work, and that's what I'm hoping that we're going to see uh, over time, and and maybe it's it's people seeing participation in a DAO and an effective governance mechanism, maybe that's going to spill over. That's at least, you know, perhaps my naive hope. Yeah, yeah. I think my kind of thesis on experimentation in DAOs is that it should happen at the guild level where experiments can be more easily run off-chain, Sybil-resistant, because you're in a guild. You know everybody, (laughs) right? Like, you know who's in your guild. Like, you're going to tie the name, the pseudonym, whatever, to their wallet address, just, you know, do wallet voting. Um, you don't have to run this super wide scale experiment. I mean, we just voted in Discord in the Writers Guild. And it was really eye-opening to see how this kind of like meritocratic type of voting played out. So um, yeah, my, my thesis on that is run the experiment at a small scale um, and then just uh, if it works for you, see if it spreads to other guilds. See if your practices spread to other people because of the success they've had with you. You know, share it in the world. Write articles on how the experiment went. Write Twitter threads. Tag people in Discord. And then if enough guilds start using that method, then maybe it makes sense for the whole DAO to use it. And by that point, it's already been tested and iterated upon within all these different guilds. So you probably have a really battle-tested method for your group and people are more familiar with it and they're going to catch on to it more and maybe even be more engaged when voting comes around. So I would really, really like to see a lot more of this kind of experimentation at the practices level. So at the guild practices level that can then kind of make its way up to um, at Aragon, we call it like the rules level. So what are your on-chain rules? What are your rules baked into the smart contracts? So parameters like quorum and uh, pass rate and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I'd really like to see a lot more of that. You know, your answer brought up so many other questions, <laughs> but I'm going to try and be disciplined Send and not digress. <laughs> but I will tell you this, is that you hit on the ex- existential crux of the issue of DAOs. And the issue simply is this, how scalable are we as a DAO? You know, because I know we can work as a guild and we work really well as a guild. And I've seen examples of amazing guilds. Can we multiply that by 100? And that's going to be the key test for us going forward. Uh, And if we can put into practice what you did, then I'm, I'm super bullish. Uh, but again, I'm not going to digress. I'm going to stay with script here. Yeah, I mean, scalability is a a cool a cool thing to talk about. I I feel like I'm 
starting to lean a little more towards DAOs should be comfortable like forking and fracturing if they're kind of coming up maybe maybe guilds and working groups are kind of coming up against each other and having different uh visions for the future of the DAO like we can fork <laughs> this is web3 you know we could do what we want there's so many things to experiment with um so i think as far as scaling it's almost like we need to think about what we mean by that because we're all opting out of the traditional web2 models because we see problems with them and one of the key uh tenants of the web2 business world is growth at all costs is scaling at all costs and as we've seen with climate change as we've seen with all these recent layoffs in the tech industry that's growth at all costs is not it's not always the way to go you know and we need we need to take a different approach to what we mean by scaling like are we scaling our mission and vision are we scaling our uh, like our public goods reach, if your DAO is building a public goods, like we don't necessarily have to scale uh, warm bodies, right? We don't need more people at desks. Um, we don't need more um, growth and uh, endless income. Like uh, scaling, I think, is a really interesting conversation in the DAO space. Uh, I, I think you're you're right on when you said it, Samantha. And I think a fellow by the name of Darwin had called it evolution. And, yes. And so, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm 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 with you on that one. The next uh, topic I want to touch on is voting models. You had mentioned liquid democracy. We have quadratic voting and other models. What voting models have you seen to be most effective? Mm, I think my answer is going to be none right now. <laughs> Fair. That's fine. <laughs> We're figuring it out. We're figuring it out. Um, yeah, I think that it's hard to apply them effective voting models across the DAO space because every DAO is so different. You know, that's like saying, what are the most effective operational practices for an LLC? You know, like that's, that's how broad we're looking. So I think, you know, maybe you have an investment DAO and there are like six of you buying NFTs together. Your voting is probably going to be a multi-sig and that's probably going to work really well for you. You're just going to do really simple wallet voting. If you are a huge protocol DAO like Lido, where you need to be um, voting on these major protocol changes that a ton of different people need visibility on, you you're probably going to want to do token voting and you're going to want to have a higher quorum so that more people are uh, weighing in on these big changes. So I think it really, really depends on the scale of your DAO and what you're trying to do and your goals. Um, Off-chain, on-chain really depends on your goals. For example, like um, I think, I think we just have to see a lot more vertical specific voting best practices emerge rather than DAO wide because DAO like like ecosystem wide voting practices they're not going to work for that small investment DAO right like if you say everyone needs to mint a token and have a 10 day time log after they vote um like a kind of like a compound DAO time log you 
you're, that investment DAO is never going to be able to bid on an NFT, right? So I think getting more vertical specific is really the key here. I think you're you're absolutely right. This is not a one size fits all type of proposition, uh, and because there's so many possibilities for DAOs and so many opportunities, I think they're going to be have to become more individual and evolve and adapt as they go along. So I, I definitely agree with that. The last topic I want to cover is the notion of meta governance, which is an emerging concept uh, that you and others have talked about. What is it? And how do you view its current and future impact? I've heard different definitions of meta-governance. So I think what um, is the most common definition is that a DAO holding another DAO's governance token and that DAO being able to vote in that other DAO's governance. Is that yes. kind of Yeah, I mean, cool. and just to give you the context... From where I sit, I see a, a world of many DAOs with uh, overlapping ownership. Right. Uh, right. So in yeah. this context, I'm really curious to see where you think this could go and what its impact is going to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think meta governance is an important way for the um, people with aligned interests and aligned values to have governance power over other organizations. So I'll use an example uh, from my end at Aragon. So we do token swaps with DAOs that have kind of an aligned vision for the future of DAOs and the future of on-chain organizations. So we just did a big token swap with Prime DAO, which is a kind of a DAO tooling. Um, they help DAOs make deals together. So they help DAOs do token swaps. So it's kind of a meta thing of a token swap with a token swapping DAO. But um, we just did that because, you know, for us at Aragon, like anyone who's really trying to build uh, the frontier of the DAO space and make and make working in DAOs and contributing to DAOs easier and better and more seamless and more stable and um, just like a better way of working for more people. Anyone who's doing that and pushing the space forward, like we want them to have voting power in our organization because we have, like I said, we have these aligned values, aligned missions, aligned interests. So I think performing token swaps to kind of kickstart that meta governance layer is, is super important. Um, I think where things could get pretty messy though, is how the DAO makes decisions to vote in the other DAO's votes. Like not everyone in Prime DAO is gonna be keeping up with everything going on in Aragon DAO governance, right? So I think as far as like the people in Prime DAO, maybe they say like, hey, we have these governance uh, or... I don't want to use the word managers because I feel like that's so anti-DAO. Say they have like a governance person, <laughs> a governance manager, I'll just say it, who is watching Aragon governance. Then, you know, they are they have the right context and information to be able to vote on what's happening here. Like we probably wouldn't want like a whole prime DAO wide vote going on to like determine what happens in our organization. Right. And so I think that's kind of where meta governance can get a little messy on like who has context, who has the information they need to vote in this other DAO's 
decisions because that can be super scary um, if people don't have the right information. So yeah, I think meta governance is super early. Um, I think it's a pretty interesting area to explore. Um, and I think it's really good for just aligned incentives. And if each DAO is holding each other's token in their treasury, they have that direct like crypto economic incentive to um, like better the other DAO's project, right? Because token go up, you know, wag me, like we are all going to uh, make more money <laughs> if we help each other and um, vote on good things in each other's governance. So I think the economic alignment, the incentive alignment is really important um, as far as how those decisions are actually made within the other DAO that's voting. I think that's that's the messy piece. So given the turbulent times we're currently going through, uh, yes. and a fair number of people that have not been in the DAOs as long as you or as long as I have, as long as a lot of the people that we work with on a daily basis. If I were able to give you a, a megaphone to DM every single DAO member across the planet, okay. what, what, would you, what would your message be given where we're oh, at? Oh, man, that's interesting. Um, it might be something along the lines of minimize governance and find ways to focus on the work. So I think, I think, I don't actually know if this is a hot take or not. Like, I don't know how much agreement there is on this, um, but governance can be a huge liability. And I think that um, many organizations spend way too much time focused on governance and focus on kind of that operational side. And then they, they don't, they don't get the time that they need to focus on building their product, their service, you know, whatever their goal as a DAO is. I think sometimes governance can really like, it can get too big. It can just fill a space to get way too big and kind of drive people out of the space because most people don't want to be playing politics on an internet forum with strangers. <laughs> like I certainly don't. Um, I don't want to be playing politics on an internet forum. So I think finding ways to make governance not fill such a large space of time so that people can focus on like building and shipping and experimenting and just have kind of that mental clarity, I think is super important. Like not everyone's going to be able to dedicate 10 hours a week to governance. That's insane. Honestly, that's insane. So I think I would tell, you know, DAO, DAO builders to really think about like what kind of governance is going to fit their their model best at first and what um, what's going to give people the space they need to focus on the organization's mission. And then if the DAO changes and needs other things, you know, they can always evolve. They can always mint a token, not mint a token, mint an NFT, uh, revert to multi-sig voting. You know, DAOs can change. I think there's a lot of like fear of kind of that change in this space. So um, yeah, I'd say start small, iterate as you go. Um, don't don't obsess 
too much over governance. Um, just focus on doing the work. That, that's great insight because what I take from you to say is that do not let governance be a friction point. And when you do that, you live a lot more room for creating and, and moving the revolution forward. Great conversation today, Samantha. Much appreciate your time and your insights. And I'd love to know where our listeners can connect with you online. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again for having me. Um, so people can find me on crypto Twitter <laughs> at Samantha J. Marin. Um, if you all want to keep up with what's happening with Quorum, with the Meta Label, follow at Quorum Media XYZ and um, uh, check out the newsletter and the podcast, both just called Quorum. That's Q U O R U M. It's kind of a funky word to spell. Um, and you can also see what's going on at Aragon, which is my, my full-time gig. So that's at Aragon Project. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks again. This was fun. We want to thank Bankless Dow for supporting this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and share on your favorite podcast streaming platform and Twitter at Bankless Dow. Questions, comments, suggestions? Please join us in the Bankless Dow Discord server and post on the General Legal Channel or DM our host, Mike Rabinovich, at Comeback Kid. Till next time.